Welcome to a Sex Worker's Guide to the Galaxy, where oftentimes the unexpected happens. So today, I didn't interview anyone. Um, in fact, I am just sharing with you the fact that I was on another podcast and I got interviewed. The tables have turned. Uh, and it was it was really... Uh, I was nervous. I was nervous uh, to be on the other side of an interview. Um, so it, ma- it makes me appreciate everyone who comes on this show that much more. Um, I was on the full service podcast with Tank Smith, a comedian out of Florida, and it, it was great. It was so much fun. It turns out when you get interviewed by a comedian, you just laugh a lot and it was a joy. So I'm excited to share this episode with you. Go check out Tank's podcast and, um, yeah, I hope you enjoy it. Welcome back, listeners. It's Tank Smith. I'm so excited for today's episode. My guest is a Detroit-based sex worker, artist, activist. She is the host of the podcast, A Sex Worker's Guide to the Galaxy, Parker Westwood. Parker, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Tank. This is really great. Heck yeah. It's nice to have the table turned. I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah. Listeners, I'm in Atlanta currently. Parker, where are you joining us from? I'm currently in Detroit, uh, Detroit, Michigan. I always try to find out a little bit about the city that my guest is from. How do you like? How do you like Detroit? I love Detroit. I actually I moved here because of a relationship about eight years ago, and that relationship ended about two years in. But I fell in love with Detroit, and I've just stuck around. I did not plan to stay here. Um, Again, but the food scene, the art scene, just the people here are so. I think Detroit gets a bad rep, right? We People think it's like a hard city, but the people here have just been so warm and kind the entire time I've been here. There's no no city like it, in my opinion. That's awesome. Yeah, like everybody, I feel like when you think of like, well, at least a lot of people, I feel like when they're like Detroit, they're like eight mile and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and like GM, that's what I think of like GM and then like Eminem, really. And Big Sean. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's so it's so much more than that. There's just there's so much to do here and it has such a rich history not only with Motown but like with a a social justice history here. Um like Grace Lee Boggs had a had a base here and her and her husband did some incredible work. So it's just there's a rich history here. Heck yeah. If uh, if I'm coming to the city and I'm like, well, I want to see something cool. I want to do something fun. You got any like recommendations for some somebody who's coming to Detroit the first time, what they should check out? Oh, my gosh. So many things. If you're more of like an outdoors kind of person, I would definitely hit up Belle Isle. It's really beautiful um, at sunrise, sunset. You can hop on your bike and bike around there and then come over to the east side of Detroit. And there's some beautiful restaurants over here. Um, Yeah, there's some really good small restaurants, not like chains or anything, but there's some really, really good like farm to table sort of restaurants in Detroit. Um, And a lot of things are bikeable. Maybe maybe people, maybe listeners aren't bikers, but I certainly am. And then the Heidelberg Project is one is a it's an art installation that like spans blocks. Hell yeah. Um, Really truly worth visiting and always eastern market it's a one of the largest farmers markets in the country i believe and there are murals everywhere that's um, dope. and they're stunning mm-hmm. oh yeah we have like a section in cap in atlanta called cabbage town where they got like murals basically like all up and down the whole like neighborhood it's pretty i love like street art like i love like art in public it really makes the city like you feel alive you know oh truly and i I went to, um, yeah, my, all of my favorite places have incredible street art. Like I went to Prague once and just was drooling constant. I mean, not actually drooling, but like internally drooling over all of the street art. Yeah. I feel like there's, it might, it might be like Buenos Aires or like there's a city in Argentina where they basically like outlawed like outdoor advertising. So the whole city, like instead mm-hmm. of just having like billboards and just like ads, cause like in America you're having ads constantly 
coming at you all the time but they ban like mm-hmm. like advertising in the city and it's just like the whole city is just like full of street art it's it's cool oh i love that that's so dreamy yeah <laughs> <laughs> what uh what's something you're passionate about oh my gosh so when you sent the questions i read this one and was like oh my god how much time do we have um I am passionate about so many things. And I think, I think the simple answer is that I'm passionate about people. Um, I'm passionate about community. It makes this work just a, a joy for me. It's what drew me to organizing, but I really, I think the part about, I think people are so incredible. And I, I think part of what I love about the work that I get to do is that I get to see people have their like shame lifted for a moment because there's so much stigma around kinks and sex and money and like all these things and even in the social justice world there's like all this external shame and a lot of the work that I do I've I've come to realize is revolves around this like moments I get to see people face their shame and move through it that's so that's so powerful because it's like there's not many places like that 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 happens to where you get to like witness somebody just like be so vulnerable and like yeah like take away that shame and it's like that's that's just a, that's a dope moment that not many people get to see like in real time. No, I mean, and it it's there's no guarantee it happens, and and I think it requires a lot of vulnerability on my part um on on everybody's part and everyone has to be like willing to go there um but when it happens there's nothing more magical yeah i feel like yeah that's like when you say you're passionate about people it's because it's like everybody you know like has a story and it's just like hey all you gotta do is tell it and then like people are changed by just like talking i feel like absolutely absolutely i think that's i mean one of the reasons I was really excited to come on on this podcast and one of the reasons I started my own was because there's power in stories. I 100% believe that, that we, when we own our stories and tell our own stories and like face the parts that we might find unsavory, we, we, we like own ourselves and become stronger and more confident as people. Yeah. And I feel like it just connects you to, I feel like it connects you to everybody else as well, because you're telling this story, you have this experience and there's other people that maybe they've never heard of somebody that's had an experience that they've had. And then you vocalizing, it makes them feel like a little less alone or just like not weird or like, just like, oh, connected to somebody else through this like shared experience, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and there's nothing more encouraging than seeing someone who shares a, maybe even just a piece of your story, owning it and being confident and talking about it. It's just it's incredibly empowering. Yeah, definitely. You uh you're an artist, right? Yeah, I've recently claimed that title. <laughs> yeah. I claimed the title of podcaster and it, yeah, tell you <laughs> what uh what kind of uh, art do you uh what kind of art do you do? I do. I do a lot of different kinds of art. I mean, I would consider the podcasting thing to be art. I I like to sing. I like to dance. But I, I've also done a lot of two-dimensional stuff. Um, and I miss ceramics. I can't go to my studio because of COVID. It was a it was a group studio, um, a collective sort of endeavor. And I miss I miss that work. I really enjoyed ceramics. Yeah. I was going to say, what's your, I guess, I was going to say either, what's your favorite, like, I guess, ceramic thing or like art that you've created? Or what's a favorite go-to karaoke song? Singer? You got that song, I know. Oh, I do. Um, That's a great question. I My go-to karaoke song is Black Tongue by Yeah, Yeah, Yes. Okay. Because I just get to yell and feel really powerful and wonderful and channel karen O, and that makes me really happy <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, believe it or not mine is friends in low places <laughs> garth brooks <laughs> oh yes oh that's so good i was just swooning over garth brooks yesterday because he's just adorable and was such a staple of my childhood i will say yo he killed that fucking amazing grace at the <laughs> inauguration <laughs> yeah was- a friend of mine a friend of mine told me that he has performed at every inauguration except for 
Nixon and Trump. Oh, wow. Or Reagan, and Trump, except for Reagan and Trump. Holy shit. Yeah, he did really well. I was like, yeah, goddamn, Garth, fucking still doing it. Still doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Hell yeah. Fun fact about Garth Brooks. His shit's not on Spotify. It's not a... He's one of the few <laughs> artists where his stuff's like not on Spotify. It's his albums and stuff. I'm like, dude, hell yeah, bro. That's fascinating. What if... I'm very curious about this man. I feel like I need to do a little research. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i have a i have a joke where i like basically get pulled over and i use a garth brooks cd to get out of like traffic stops and shit or like a self-protection from the cops that's a fun one what just as like a an olive branch like i too like garth brooks yeah or like you know because it's like it's it's uh (laughs) it's like i'm not trying to like you gotta like i feel like as a black person the police you know it's like it's it's a tense thing and then when i get pulled over just pop in the garth brooks cd and the cop, like, basically, I sing a line from Friends in Low Places, blame it all on my roots. And then basically the cop is like, I showed up in boots, and then we fucking duet the rest of the song, and then we, like, sing it out and shit. And, Can uh, we please make this into a music video? This yeah. is magical. <laughs> it's my closer. It's my favorite joke. <laughs> Unless it's a black cop. You don't want to do that. He might shoot you. Uh, he's like, this car stole it. <laughs> Oh boy! <laughs> Heck yeah, Parker! I, th- I appreciate you coming on the the podcast. This is fun. <laughs> yeah, this is, already we're like only a few minutes in, and this is great. <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> can uh, can you remember your first exposure to sex work at all? I was thinking about this one. Yes. So I, well, when I was six years old. I somehow, I think it was just on TV, and I watched the movie Striptease. Okay. Which I haven't seen since, so I don't even know if it holds up or what entirely it's about, but I know that there's a stripper in it. And and I think it's very problematic in the, like, save-a-hoe kind of way. Um, like, not a not a very empowering sort of film, but... I saw it and I was just like, I want to do that when I grow up. At like six years old, I announced to my mother that I wanted to be a stripper when I grew up. How did she take um, it? She was just, I mean, I was six years oh, old. Oh, yeah. It's so like any kid like, that's like six and they're like, I want to be a doctor. They're like, of course you do. Okay. Of course you do. Yeah. And I, I also told her like in the same year that I wanted to be an archaeologist. And I, I stand by those those two things. Those are those still resonate in my soul. Hell yeah. Um, Yeah. But I I also remember when I was a little bit older seeing, I think it was some sort of documentary or TV special about high-end escorts. Because I remember there there was some sort of thing where they they showed a website, someone's website, and they're basically the same as they are now. And, uh, And I remember looking it up online. So I was old enough to like have an on have an online presence so probably like 12 or 14 okay and i remember just looking at someone's like gift or like wish list and being like oh my god they're getting like cars and things and thinking to myself like i could do that like i find i i find people attractive as their being and not like they're not necessarily their bodies this is something i like all bodies are great i could totally do this and then, and that just kind of stuck in the back of my mind for a very long time. How did you, uh, how'd you end up getting into it? How'd you start? How'd you decide like, Hey, I want to get into sex work. I want to do this. Well, I started with stripping. Um, that was like my first foray into any kind of sex work. And, uh, it found me really. I, I knew I wanted to do it. I didn't really pursue it. But I was dancing. I went to college and I was dancing at an event and this this woman or like a, another student who is a couple years older than me came up to me and was like, Hey, you need to teach me to dance like that. And I was just like, yeah, sure. Anytime. When do you want to do it? And she's like, well, my audition is in like a week. So do you want to come over this week? Actually, why don't you just come audition with me? <laughs> and I was like, All right, yeah, sure. What are we auditioning for? And it turned out to be a strip club about 45 minutes away from the college. That's amazing. Yeah. And so that's what, and I, I, 
got in and um, he passed passed whatever sort of <laughs> test they had for me. And it was it was wild. It was such an incredible experience. And I think there I learned I learned a lot. I learned a lot stripping. I learned a lot about boundaries. I learned a lot about how all the isms of the world, like sexism, heterosexism, racism, capitalism, like all intersect there in such a visible way. It was it was a lot. And I really but I had fun. I love dancing. And I, I kind of I was in a lot of sociology classes, so I took it as kind of a research experiment. And it was really fun. That's dope. How long did you how long did you yeah. dance? I danced for three years on and off through my my college career. And then I danced for like a month when I moved to Detroit and just didn't didn't really enjoy the scene here as much. And then that's when I danced for about a month after not dancing for some years. Didn't like it so much and knew someone who was getting into full service. Um, actually, my my really, really good friend, Lena Cesura. Okay. And I basically was just kind of like, hi, how do I do it? How do I start? <laughs> <laughs> um, and so she she launched all of her stuff and I, I was about six months behind. And so that's yeah, that was she really helped me get started, which I am so grateful for. How did you, so you go from like, you know, you're like dancing at college, like somebody's like, Hey, will you go do this? You want to do this audition with me? Were you, are you like familiar with strip clubs? So do you like, are you like, I guess not frequenting strip clubs because everyone in college, no one has money like that, but it's like, are you mm -hmm. familiar with strip club culture? Do you, have you been in strip clubs like that? Do you have like a background of dance? How was that? Like, like going into dancing? How'd you, how was that? I guess. Um, I have not. I don't have a background in dancing, I guess is what I'll say. Um, I, I enjoy dancing. I always have danced. I did a little bit of dancing in middle school with like a troupe, I guess. But it was just like a weird little after school thing. And I wasn't good at choreography. I'm still working on that, to be <laughs> honest. <laughs> and, uh, I was so much better freestyling and... I, yeah, when I'd never been to a strip club, I was all of 19 when I walked into the club as, um, for my audition. So, and in Wisconsin, which is where the club, the clubs where I auditioned were, you can't, you have to be 21 to enter. Oh, so okay. you can be 18 and work there, but you have to be 21 to enter as a patron. And so... I couldn't even have gone in as a patron if I wanted to, um, because I wasn't of age. Yeah. And, um, but yes, yeah, so I started at, at 19. I was so nervous. I was so scared, but I guess I, this is a fun sex worky story. Um, I, my first day I go and it's, it's like an old single stage, single pole club, um, a little bit of a dive. And I kind of, I have a sweet spot in my heart for these places. And the, we had to play money off the jukebox. There wasn't a DJ. Oh, wow. Um, there was no bouncer. And we, so we selected, we like paid for our own music, selected the music, and then would go up on the stage. And it was my first, my first night, my trial night. And they were like, you can, you just dance tonight. We'll, um, you keep whatever tips you make, but we're not, you don't get the base pay. Cause at this point we got base pay and I get up there like you go first. So never having been in a strip club, never seeing anyone else go first, um, not knowing what the fuck I was doing. They, I went up first and did my thing and it was fun it was fine i was shaking i was scared but it was it was fun i just like did my thing that, and that's all i feel like that's so hard to do like going first in so many things is like especially like this is your first time in like in this strip club never danced before and then they're like hey why don't you go first i feel like that's so that'd be so hard to do Oh, yeah. And then my like, I also didn't even really get a good feel for the club of like, what kind of music does everyone like here? And so my queer ass was playing like Tegan and Sarah. And <laughs> I'm pretty sure I played some outcast. I don't even know. I was just like, I'm gonna play what I like, I guess. That's dope. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, it was a good time. It was a good time. <laughs> 
How was, I know you said your kind of friend kind of helped you get into like full service sex work or like she, you knew her, she was doing it. How was the transition from like dancing to full service sex work? How was that? It was, it was an interesting transition. I think, I think the hardest part or the, the biggest learning curve for me in that transition was learning how to get clients. Uh, I was just like, I don't understand. Like if I'm not meeting them, if I'm not creating a connection, I'm having to create a connection via my website or my ad copy. And that that was a challenge in at trying to portray my personality and um, and how other people perceive me and and like, I don't know, my charm, whatever charm I have. Yeah. Trying to put that into text. That's um, right. I feel like gosh. writing about yourself is one of the hardest things to do, especially to make yourself like sound like amazing and awesome. Like, I feel like at least for me, writing about myself yeah. is hard to do. It is. It's writing about yourself, making yourself sound amazing and awesome and sexy and humble because you don't want to be like, you know, thinking you're all that and a bag of chips kind of a person either because that, at least for me, is a turn off. Yeah, it's really hard. It's a very... Uh, underrated skill yeah (laughs) what do you did you like in full service sex work do you feel like there was like a waiver period when you like weren't good at it or like a learning curve yes absolutely and I think the not being good at it was that I was so paranoid I was just so scared I I didn't it was really hard for me to connect with people and that's the part that I love yeah, I was just always afraid that I wasn't what they wanted or I wasn't enough. And this like channels into my normal life too. I've actually grown, sex work has helped me grow in a lot of different arenas in my life. But in sex work, I think the biggest, yeah, the the waiver part, the part where I was not good at it was in the first six months for certain where I wasn't confident in my boundaries and I wasn't allowing my honest self to show up do you feel like that Pete like once you were able to like I guess like let your like authentic self show I guess do you feel like people were more receptive to that in full service sex work yes yeah I think it helped it's helped me to get more clients that I actually connect with and the ones who who don't like my authentic self don't come back and that's great because we often just like didn't click like it wasn't I'm not for everybody. Um, and like, I think that's hard for me to swallow sometimes because I don't know, as a woman in this society, we're like trained to want to be appealing to everyone. Yeah. But I the more I accept that, like, I'm not for everyone and the people that I am for are the ones that I like want. Like, yeah, the people I enjoy spending time with and the people who enjoy spending time with me are the clients that I want. So, yeah, and it, and it's nice that like people like you for you putting out like this authentic thing rather than being something else and people liking you for that thing that you're not really being, I guess, authentic. Being. Yeah, or like when they when they show up and they're just like, oh, you're <laughs> you're really down to earth, and I thought that you liked, I don't know, that you were something else. And it's like, yeah, no, this is what you get when you come see me. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm so down to earth and cool. <laughs> my bad i'm sorry yeah (laughs) how was i know you mentioned uh boundaries earlier how was i know like dancing in a strip club boundaries are such a huge thing how was i guess how did dancing influence full service sex work in terms of boundaries i guess that's a good question i i think the the way that dancing influenced boundaries for me, I, I think it was mo- mostly just that it's the beginning of a journey. I think boundaries have being able to not only declare my boundaries, but also hold them has been a journey in general. So when I was dancing, I certainly did some things that I was, I mean, I was young and I did some things that made me uncomfortable and I didn't really know that they were going to make me uncomfortable until I was in the position. Yeah. And I think as I've gotten as I've gotten older and especially in in-person sex work and full service sex work, I I've 
had to articulate my boundaries up front and I've had to hold them in certain ways. I've even stopped seeing someone because they crossed a boundary in a way that like made me dread seeing them again. Yeah. And it and it was definitely based in like my own past trauma or like my own past experience. And um and it was like super regrettable, but I was like I'm sorry, like this is where and I did tell them. I told him that because I think it's important to communicate those things. I was like it's really like this is the boundary that was crossed and like I can't see you any longer. Um that's good, though, for that client yeah. just to understand, like, hey, when you cross this line, this is what happens. And so hopefully he'll fucking respect mm-hmm. that for the next person that he sees and doesn't he understands that this is the fucking line. You can't you can't cross this or else. Hey, oh, yeah, you can't see me ever again. Congrats. Yeah, he had a whole the, that email had a, at least two or three paragraphs about consent in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. How do you uh go to strip clubs now? Do you like do you go to strip clubs ever? I mean, not with COVID being a thing. I I've only gone a handful of times. My thing is that like I go there and then all I want to do is get on stage. Yeah. Um so I have a really hard time sitting still and I have to like sit on my hands and um but I I love when I have gone. I love it. It's so fun. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, what's the experience going, like, after, after having worked in one, going back, how is the, how is it different being, like, a customer versus, like, dancing? But I definitely get, like, me going to, like, a stand-up show, and then I'll see it, and I'm like, god damn, I wish I could get on stage right now. This crowd is so hot. I want to, like, do something, you know? But it's yes. like, I, I can't. <laughs> exactly that. Yeah, it's just this, like, itching, like, oh, my god, I want to I wanna participate. Yeah. But that's that's me in everything like I I'm the kind of person that likes to have a role in a situation I'm I'm not I'm a good audience member because I am very participatory nice. <laughs> um, but I I really like to I like to be part of the show yeah I feel you there oh yeah <laughs> do uh people close to you know about uh your work in sex work Yes. Many of my friends know what I do. Um, That's very important to me. Um, I also am very upfront about it when I'm starting to date someone because I don't want to waste my time with someone who's going to have a problem with that. Yeah. And I recently told my family sort of in the middle of all the COVID stuff, it began to be very difficult to continue to keep it from them. Awesome. How was, how was that? How was that being able to tell your parents or like tell your family? It was, it was awesome to be able to tell them. And, um, I, I knew, I knew they weren't going to like disown me because that's not their style. They definitely didn't have a lot to say, which is like, that's how I know that they're disapproving. (laughs) But sometimes that's good. Um, It's like, it's like, oh, you didn't say anything. I told you, you you didn't say anything. Cool. (laughs) Yeah, I think also, I mean, they raised me so they know that, like, if they don't have anything good to say, they shouldn't say it because I'm just going to continue to do what I'm doing anyway. Yeah. And sometimes if you uh, tell me I can't do it, I'm just going to do it harder. So I think they've they've learned that, like, not that they can't disagree with me. We definitely have um, really awesome conversations, but I think they also learn, like, they just... My impression was that they needed to sit with it. My dad is, my dad's really into tech and audio and things like that. And so he knows about the podcast and probably is listening to it as we speak. Like I, I recently was just kind of like, hey, will you give it a listen and like, let me know what you think. And so that's, that's awesome. a really, it's really, spe- yeah. Like I'm kind of tearing up as I talk about it. Cause it's like, I, not everybody not everybody's that lucky to have that kind of a connection with their parents. Nah, definitely not. Like that's, yeah, it's, it's like, it's, I feel like that has to feel so freeing to like have them, you tell them what's up, they accept it and then move forward. Like that's, it's, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely lucky. They're both my mom and my dad are really cool people. Oh yeah. How is, how important is having somebody that you're able to talk to about work? 
Oh my god, so, so, so important. This is, like, another reason I'm passionate about community and people, um, is because it's, I, I wouldn't be where I am. I'd probably still be, like, so much more paranoid than I am now, um, if I didn't have other sex workers to talk to or friends that I could just, like, lean on for a minute. I'm still learning how to lean on people, like, emotionally, but, um, in learning how to do it, I've, I've learned that it's so imperative to my mental health. Yeah. Just like having some, especially I feel like just during this time, especially to where there's a lot less contact with somebody or with just like, just like human contact with people, just like having somebody that you can talk to is, yeah, I feel like it's so vital to everything. Oh, I agree. It's, I mean, it's, I think it makes the, well, not to bring it back to the podcast every time, but like it makes the podcast interviews that I do so cool and intense because we just get to go in about our work, which I don't think a lot of, a lot of sex workers get to do very often. Yeah. And yeah. And I, I cherish that. And I have friends like in doing the activist work in this area that I do, I have a, I have a lot of sex worker friends that we get to have those conversations and can refer to each other like hey i just had this happen what would you do in this circumstance it's like any other job where you talk to a colleague about stuff and it's just like really hard for sex workers to find colleagues that we trust tell me about uh your podcast let's talk about that hey yo (laughs) i am so excited about my podcast (laughs) it's been over a year in the making, I I was just, we were talking with the work I do with Answer, um, a network of sex workers to excite revolution. And we'd been talking about what we want to see, just like dreaming, dreaming big. And um, a few of us had talked about sex worker media outlets. Like we should have a zine or we should have like written a blog or just to be able to generate sex worker created content um, and share our stories. And the whole idea was to humanize sex workers so that people could see us as people and our job as just a job and to see how silly it is that it's criminalized. And yeah. And so that, that was kind of the impetus. And I was just like, Oh, a podcast is a great idea. And then I was like looking for a host, found a host, and then that fell apart. And eventually I was just kind of like, I just, I just want this to happen. And uh, I'm going to, we're just going to do it and I'll host it and I'll try to be as ethical and um, conscious as possible. That's dope. I feel like I, I, I respect anybody that fucking puts the effort into like put out a podcast because I just know what goes into it. And uh, it's, it's it's dope. Your podcast is great. Uh, listeners, go check out the podcast, The Sex Worker's Guide to the Galaxy. What's the what's your uh, Twitter? Uh, the Twitter is at Sexy Galaxy Pod. And then we're also on Patreon uh, at patreon.com slash Sexy Galaxy Pod. Heck yeah. How has it been? So you said year in the making. How is it? I guess the planning going into it. How is that like the... Because everybody, I feel like, especially even with this podcast, it's like you have an idea in your head and you're like, hey, I think I could do this thing, but you haven't done it yet. And then just seeing it all the way to fruition and then seeing you just starting something. How has that been? I feel like it's it was for me, it's like been awesome. How has that been just having an idea and then like putting in the works and actually make it make it happen? It has been so cool. Aside from like the personal development part of like witnessing myself getting in my own way and then like moving past that, I think that has been, that's been a whole thing. But also reaching out to people who know more about podcasting than I do and and um, asking questions and learning how much work goes into a podcast. I had no idea. I had no idea. It's so much work. You, there's so much advanced planning and like figuring out how to launch and just interview prep, like all of the things I did not know. And I, I love it. I've fallen in love with the art of podcasting. It's really fun. It's fun. It's, <laughs> I love it. And it's just like having a conversation like with somebody. It's, yeah. I, it's so much, it's, it's great. <laughs> yeah. And I love, um, 
I love that sex workers are trusting me with their story, right? And then I get to edit it and make us both sound good and then like make sure they like it. And then I send it out into the world and I've gotten nothing but positive feedback. So I'm grateful for that. Um, yeah, yeah, it's just I'm like beaming over here in my closet. I'm really excited about the whole thing. Because <laughs> <Hell> yeah. <laughs> it's such like I feel like it's such like a powerful thing to where it's like I am having a conversation with somebody. They may may never have shared the story with anybody else and like wanting it to go well so bad and like just like making sure like this I want this to be so good because they're putting themselves out there and being vulnerable and sharing their story with essentially the entire world and yeah. trust them trusting you to like put that out or like share that story I feel like it's such an amazing thing I'm like fucking anybody who comes on that I'm like thank you so much I fucking truly appreciate that you like trust me to talk to me on this podcast yeah it's flattering as hell it's really a gift yeah <laughs> What uh? Do you have a favorite part of doing the podcast so far? You have like a favorite moment. <laughs> the fav- my favorite part is certainly the interviews. I love talking to people. Um, yeah, and some of there's some interviews that haven't that I haven't posted yet that are just we go so deep and it's really astounding to me that people are willing to go to go there and it's really incredible. I think I don't know my fa- my yeah my favorite moment is meeting people I've never met before and then getting to getting to know them. Yeah. I love getting to know people. Yeah. Yeah. And you just meet people from all over and then like they're still like so connected by the same not same story but it's like similar stories within the same realm and it's like people from all over the world having this shared experience. And Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> How was It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me a little bit. You mentioned it before, Answer Detroit. Um, tell me a little bit about yeah. Answer Detroit. Yeah. So, uh, Answer Detroit has been um, we f- we formed about two years ago. Um, again, Answer stands for a network of sex workers to excite revolution. Um, so it's a collective of sex workers based in Detroit who are fighting to destigmatize de- and are fighting for decrim in Detroit and beyond. Um, and we, we've done a lot of initiatives. Our, our biggest project, honestly, in the last year was our mutual aid fund that really took off during COVID. Um, we kind of ramped up our efforts and raised over $30,000 and distributed every dollar (laughs) to, to, um, sex workers in Detroit and specifically, um, we took priority for black trans and street-based sex workers. That is amazing. So 30,000. That that's so much money. That's incredible. It was, it was remarkable. People, we ended up on this website for people to donate their um, stimulus check to nonprofits that were redistributing money to people who needed it. And I think that really helped us to raise, raise that money. And it was just like such a humbling Seeing people show up for sex workers in that way, um, thirty thousand dollars. That is was just like wow. Yeah. Do you know if the mutual aid is still open? Like, can people still donate to it? We started a new um, a new GoFundMe, so it's for our general operations and mutual aid fund, and we're currently trying to redesign our mutual aid fund into something that's more sustainable for us to manage because our mutual aid fund got to be too big for all of us to um to to work on um it was just like a lot all at once and then we also like that initial influx of money slowed down yeah so we didn't have as much money to be able to fulfill all of the requests that we were getting okay. so we're redesigning some things for 2021 but yeah we do um we do have a gofundme and you can find it I believe it's listed on um, answer has a Twitter. So the Twitter is at answer Detroit. Uh, we also have an Instagram uh, at we are answer Detroit. And in our link tree, you can find our GoFundMe link. Okay. Hell yeah. I'll plug it in the, like the like show notes. So anybody listen to this, Hey, go to the GoFundMe answer Detroit, donate some money. That would be amazing. Support tech workers do that shit (laughs) yeah 
also half a a 50% of the proceeds um, from my Patreon for the podcast go to answer Detroit. Hell yeah. So, so that, that is a, that is a way you can support both the podcast and answer Detroit if you like. Awesome. Fuck. Yeah. Listeners, you heard (laughs) Patreon, go fund me, do that, do that. Sign up right now. (laughs) 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 How, uh, how has, fucking you know in march or april of last or like i guess maybe february of last year where uh little pandemics happening uh how has like this whole time been for you oh yeah that thing um the old pandemic who would have thought it (laughs) it's wow the pandemic it's been a lot i i mean i stopped working for a while i ended up doing some graphic design i i just i wasn't sure none of us were sure if it was safe to see people. And I think, I I mean, I haven't seen my family in over a year because of it, which has been really hard. It's been a, it's been a tough one. I I really miss seeing them. Yeah. Um, Cause they're, I'm from Minnesota. So they're still, they're still there. Um, Can I ask you a question about Minnesota real quick? Yeah, please. How close were you to a lake? Oh, there are so many lakes in Minnesota. Yeah. You really are the land of lakes. lakes. Um, I, was so close to a lake. I I mean, I had a pond in my neighborhood that I often did like little environmental cleanups as a young child because that's me. And then <laughs> I would. <laughs> I'm like, that Hello, makes, that makes sense. <laughs> You're activist yeah. as a child cleaning up lakes. <laughs> I like legit organized the kids in the neighborhood to like go clean up the neighborhood park and pond. Um Anyway, uh, that's an aside. Yeah, but I, no, right. in high school, I bike like, oh man, I think I'd bike like 20 minutes and I I was at a lake and I would just like strip off all my clothes and like tuck myself behind some trees and do like some sunbathing and swimming and I I miss it. The old lakes. I always like anybody, I talk, anytime I talk to anybody from Minnesota, I got to find out about the lakes because y'all got, got like 10,000 and I'm like, what's up with all them lakes? But that's dope though. Oh yeah. Yeah, you got to come visit. I mean, not only do we have lakes, but it's also the land of Prince and uh, the music scene's incredible. Yeah, Detroit, or not Detroit, but I mean, Detroit's where it's at, but also the Twin Cities. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> A lot of sex workers like turn to online work during the pandemic. Have you uh, turned to online work at all? I have. I now have an OnlyFans. <laughs> oh boy. How do you like it? Um, Oh man, it's different. It's, uh, it's hard to connect with people. Um, I enjoy it, but I, I also was like, never the, the taking of selfies has been a journey for me. I'm like, (laughs) not, not my favorite thing. And so, um, I've had to, I've had to learn, I've had to figure out ways to make it my own. Um, so I do a lot of like reading naked and, I've done some like science experiments naked and um Oh my god. Yeah, I just I get weird with it because I just don't know what else to do. See, that is dope. <laughs> Have you done the uh baking soda and it's like baking soda vinegar? Is he making volcano? Baking soda vinegar at volcano. I should do that one. To- that but I should make the volcano shaped like a penis. Oh my god. Yes. Because <laughs> I'm also a 14 year old boy at heart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a Bill Nye made an OnlyFans. <laughs> That's my goal. I'm like, I want to be, what is it, Bill Nye and then um, Mythbusters. I would love to just be a mashup of Bill Nye and Mythbusters. <laughs> that would be great. We got to. <laughs> People subscribe. What's your uh, OnlyFans? What's your OnlyFans? Uh... I am uh, at Parker underscore Westwood. Sweet. Listeners, mm-hmm. OnlyFans.com slash Parker underscore Westwood. Give her a follow. I need more people who actually enjoy the science experiment part. So come come follow me so I can do more of those. <laughs> that's the first. You're the first person I've heard that's doing the science experiment. So I feel like that is a demographic. Like, there there's definitely a demographic out there that wants OnlyFans plus science. And we need to find. Yeah, these. I break up the geodes. It's a great time. I'll do more of them for y'all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
So a recent thing in the news, I saw the Washtenaw County prosecutor is no longer prosecuting consensual sex work. I know that's like basically like a county over from Detroit. Uh, what do you, how do you feel about that being a sex worker in that area? Yeah, that was, that was really exciting news. Like it's, it doesn't change the law, right? Like we're still technically criminalized, but to have a prosecutor say that they will not well, first of all, differentiate between consensual sex work and trafficking. That's huge. Um, but to say that they're not going to prosecute consensual sex work, it's just it's a big deal. And in their, in the statement, they stated that um, this was to make it safer for sex workers. So that that alone just like is really exciting to see. That's great that like somebody like a prosecutor, somebody just like understands that, hey, there's a difference between consensual sex work and trafficking and the harmful effects of criminalization on consensual sex work that, yeah, that that criminalization has on consensual sex work, knowing knowing the facts and implementing that policy seems like it's a fucking great thing. I feel like it's important to... To talk about the fact that um, just because this prosecutor isn't going to be prosecuting consensual sex work doesn't mean people aren't going to be getting arrested for consensual sex work. Um, It just means that they won't be they won't have a case. They won't have a criminal record around it. But what this doesn't change is like for people who are street workers, they can still get hassled and arrested. And as a white indoor like sex worker online, like I. I'm comforted by knowing that consensual sex work isn't prosecuted, but it also like it still changes. It's still criminalized and that changes people who do street sex work, which are more often than not as a white person. I feel like it's like very important to draw this distinction. Like most um, street workers are black and trans women and like that we need to be we need to do better. We need to do better. So decriminalization still very important to fight for. Like you said, I think it's just a step in the right direction. And hopefully other people see this policy, see the effect that it has on the sex work community and start to implement it like statewide, nationwide or whatever it may be. But people just see this example and the effect that it has and decide to make that same change as well. That'd be that'd be great news. Yeah. Like if you If you don't criminalize us and give us the ability to come forward about things we see and like to report unsafe clients and um, any sex trafficking we see, which right now it's like we don't feel safe coming forward with stuff like that because we could be penalized. That's I feel like that's one of the like the the, like worst effects of this whole like criminalization of sex work is like if something happens to you in the course of you just doing your job. You cannot go to the police because of like fear of prosecution or that's it's so ridiculous that somebody commits a crime against you and you're not able to go to anybody about it just because of fear of your job. Oh, yeah. I mean, like this is this gets me on a whole rant about labor rights, right? Like it's if we this is why the term sex work is so important to me and I identify as a sex worker is because this is a job and it needs to be seen as a job so that we can have labor rights. We we deserve to have a safe working environment and deserve to be able to report dangerous dangerous clients and things like that. So yeah, that's it's huge. Yeah, that's hopefully yeah. Hopefully the change comes and uh, more people see this good example and say, hey, let's try this thing here. Maybe it'll have a positive eff- like effect. Yeah, get it, Washtenaw County. Proud of you. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how uh has sex work helped in any other aspects of your life oh my gosh yes yeah i mean i think it's done wonders for my self-confidence or at least my self-awareness like i said earlier with boundaries like it it has helped me to become more clear about my boundaries And even in some ways, I would say, like, even my desires, like I've gotten to explore things with people that I I don't know that I would have explored on my own. 
maybe I would have, but I, it definitely gave me the outlet to do so. And um, I've found like things I like and things I don't like, and I'm more able to articulate that. I also, it puts me in this position where like, I think in normal relationships, it's nerve wracking to, to have certain, to be the one to like, be forward and have conversations like what is what is it that you like everyone's intimidated to do that or like what do you want me to call certain parts of your body and I'm just so more apt to do that yeah like it doesn't bother me I don't get in my head about it I feel like the more open you're able to like be about sex or talk about sex it just makes the conversation less and less over time because you're like I do this all I talk about sex like it's not a thing you know we're just talking about yeah sex yeah, and I love talking about sex. It's my favorite topic. <laughs> people people been doing that shit since forever. That's why we're here right now. Yeah, doing doing that shit since forever and yet people still come up with new stuff and I'm just flabbergasted sometimes. It's really <laughs> quite astounding. <laughs> I feel like if cavemen had Instagram, we definitely know some wild shit. You know, they probably they probably were still doing wild shit. <laughs> Back in the day, we gotta go back and do those cave paintings. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there's definitely way more hair. They were doing some hairy shit we don't even know about because they were just, you know. Yeah, <laughs> they definitely had a bush pink or something. <laughs> <laughs> Have your views on sex or sexuality changed uh, since starting sex work at all? No, I I when I was in college, I'll, I'll tell I'll tell this as an example. Um, I've always been like very anti-censorship and like pro-sex and uh, I've been in into kink for a long time. So like all the, down to explore and I think people should. I think it's important. I think we should talk about it more. And when I went to college, one of my bigger projects that I did was a porn presentation. Nice. And everyone pay for your porn. It's very important. I... I showed 12 different clips of 10 different kinds of porn. I had to card people as they came in to make sure they were old enough to view this porn that I was showing. And then we just like sociologically broke it down and it was awesome. Um, there were some like tense, uncomfortable moments cause there were some uncomfortable moments in some of the porn, but um, it was really great. And I, yeah. And I feel like, I feel like the work that I'm doing now is like the work I've been I've been heading towards my entire life. I feel very at home. Oh <laughs> yeah. Has how you view yourself changed at all since starting sex work? Ooh. Yes. Uh I would say yes. I um I'm actually getting more comfortable seeing myself as kind of a badass. Like I didn't I think when I first started sex work, I didn't have a very high self-esteem. Um, and and I don't, I, yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's been a journey outside of sex work as well. Um, but sex work has allowed me to practice, like, you know, the fake it till you make it thing where oh, like yeah. I show up and, and I, you know, present myself as hot shit or like, not hot shit necessarily, but like, like I feel like I'm attractive yeah. and eventually I believe it. I think it's helped with, with that in a way. It's given me a lot of practice in believing that I am attractive. Well, I mean, you get like evidence of it, you know, to where it's like, Hey, I'm feeling like you, you come out and you're like confident you're feeling yourself. And then people see you and they respond to that. Like, Oh, she is hot shit. She is awesome. She is like, all like beautiful or whatever. Then like, I feel like you feel that shit. It's helpful, but I think it's fleeting, you know, like yeah. other people's validation. And this is why, like, when we get on social media and get those, like, initial serotonin hits of people validating us and then we walk away from it and we, like, feel empty still. Yeah. It's it's very much that where, like, yeah, the validation is nice and the the affirmations are nice. But really what's shifted is that I've started to believe it myself and, like, see myself as lovable and like cool you know like like yeah. i see myself as someone i want to spend time with awesome yeah what do you find to be your favorite least favorite part of uh, sex work i hate screening i hate it so much it's very important 
it is super duper de duper important and I, I encourage everyone to screen, but it's frustrating as all hell because some people will like give you only some of the information and it's like it would be one thing if people just provided all of the information all at once and then I could just like do the thing and then we could book the date. But um yeah, I'm someone who I don't have an assistant and so I like do everything myself and um yeah I think screening is my least favorite part I'm just kind of like you're not paying me for this and it's driving me nuts (laughs) but my favorite part is I think similar to what we've talked about but like getting getting to open up with people and uh like witness them be vulnerable with me and and really connect um, coming together is like one of my favorite moments. And then, yeah, just like the afterglow. And then also like going on artistic dates where we get to like create together feels oddly similar. Um, maybe not in the same euphoric kind of way that like having an orgasm together does, but yeah, creating things together is just like a really fun connection that I love to have with people. Fuck yeah. That's, that's, that's dope. Mm -hmm. Fuck yeah. (laughs) <laughs> how long do you see yourself in sex work that's that's a fun question i love thinking about this because i'm because i don't know no one can really know right but i i would i like to think that i would have at least a handful of clients that i'll see into my old age Fuck yeah. um yeah like i don't think it's gonna be my primary source of income forever but i do think I do really enjoy the connection and I feel like as I get older I would I would absolutely love to have like a handful of clients that I still see. Fuck yeah. Where do you see yourself in like 5 years? Do you have a 5 year plan is it? I've never made one before. <laughs> Me either but I want to so bad. Um every time I sit down to do it I just get like so overwhelmed because like the last like if you asked me five years ago where I would be, I would not have told you where that I would be where I am now, right? Yeah. Especially because I only, I started sex work like two and a half years ago. So there was no way I could have projected that I'd be where I am now. I, I mean, I hope I'm still doing the podcast because I fucking love it. I would, I also see myself continuing to do sex work. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say this. I hope to have written a book. Um, Fuck yeah. You just put it out there. Fuck. Um, hell yeah. I'm just, it's, you know, it's a ballsy thing to put it out there, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> Dope. <laughs> um, yeah. And then I like, I don't know, like tons of travel in there somewhere, but yeah, I don't know exactly where I would be in five years, but I think those are some manageable goals. That- I think. If you if you if you write the book, we're we're promoting it all on the podcast. I'm gonna, I'm buying the book. Yeah. I'm buying the book. Thank you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> do you have a thing like I always ask people like, what would you do if you could do anything? Money's not an object. Is there a thing you would do? I guess maybe it's job wise or like however you envision that question. But do you have a thing you could do if you could do anything? Ooh. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That it's all I feel like I've I've faced this question before and um I'm I'm a Libra and decisions are hard and like mo- so many options is really hard for me. But I'll do my best. I it would have to involve travel. It would have to involve travel and like learning languages. I love I really love learning languages. Before I became a sex worker, I was in school for um to be a sign language interpreter. Oh, nice. And it w- it's oh my gosh, like it is one of the coolest languages I've ever learned and um yeah, I still I still really want to utilize that skill more, but I it just made me want to learn more languages because every country has its own sign language. Oh wow. It's banana. Yeah. So, um yeah, I feel like I would just like travel and learn different languages and uh yeah, maybe study linguistics cuz I can't stop studying things. Fuck yeah. Um, that'd be aw- that'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Is that it- or become a soil mycologist because I love mushrooms. So. A soil what? Mycologist, like 
It's uh, like with mushrooms. Micro, micro remediation was like my jam. This is me getting really nerdy now, and nice. I apologize. Well, I will, I will not apologize. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like you can, you can pull toxins out of soil with mushrooms, and I think that that is the most magical thing. Wow, so, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah. I'm, it's I'm cool. about to, I'm about to Google this. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Highly recommended. <laughs> <laughs> are uh, are you a fan of stand up comedy at all? Mm-hmm. I I need it in my life, just because like there are some days I just need a good laugh. Um, uh, do you have a favorite comic at all? Do you have a favorite comedian? I I think yeah uh, yes. This was a hard one for. I was just like who who would be my favorite? Um, it's one of those moments where someone asks you like. Who, who's your favorite band? And you're like, I've never listened to music. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that happens to me every time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I grew up listening to, like, I loved Whoopi Goldberg and Robin Williams. They were my two favorites. And I pretty much stand by by that. I love them both. And when Robin Williams passed, it was like, it shook me to get my shit together. Yeah. That um, was so, that was so sad. Uh, yeah. I, th- I think about it often just because he was, like I think on, on first on my bucket list number one was meet Robin Williams, so Damn. um yeah I know and uh, but yeah so Robin Williams Whoopi Goldberg and then I love Tignataro yeah like, I just love the like dry delivery is just so <laughs> impressive to me. her joke about laughing after you laugh like where you're like the like exhale where you're like oh where you're like reminiscing about the laugh that you just had a few seconds oh, it's so funny <laughs> <laughs> that and like her impression uh her impressions bit is just gold yeah <laughs> it's just so good <laughs> takes funny hell yeah <laughs> yeah before before we get out of here did you want to do you have a story you want to leave us on i mean okay i i think i'll tell this one and we can you can choose to to use it or not but um yes so the remember the first day of stripping i was telling you about okay um where they like make me go up first my my first day of stripping was kind of a formative day for me because i I went up and I did the thing, having never seen a stripper before, except for on TV when I watched striptease that one time. And I I start mingling with the cli- like the people who are at the bar, and there's this older gentleman, not a gentleman, just a, just a dude. And he, at one point, just like whips out his dick. Oh, God. And I'm 19 years old. There's no bouncer. I don't quite know what to do in this circumstance. It is my first day, my trial day, in fact. And he whips out his dick and I just look at him and I'm like, you need to put that away. And and he was just like, why? You get to like show show everything here. And I was just like, yeah, because people want to see it, but you need to put that away or I'm going to have you kicked out. And it was... I was shaking as I said it and it was just like me as this like 19 year old just kind of standing up for myself and uh yeah it was it was a really empowering and scary moment um I feel like that yeah that had that had to be like just like oh what the fuck dude like it was totally what the fuck and I was just in from that moment on I became the like house bouncer because we didn't have one. So, and I was also like, I'm pretty muscular. Um, and I always, always kind of have been, I've lucked out in that sense. So I just became, anytime the girls were having a problem, they'd like come tell me. So I became this like yeah. stripper. <laughs> That's dope. Another dick. Yeah. Get Parker. Where's this motherfucker? Get him out of here. <laughs> Get him out. <laughs> you do not want those heels up your ass. I will tell you that. Much. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, unless you do, and then then I'm still your girl, so that's good. Yeah. <laughs> I feel that's such a fucking weird answer, too, like, to where it's like, oh, you get to be naked, why can't I be? Like, bro, you don't work here, dude. What the fuck? What are you? Yeah. What world do you live not, in, bro? No. Yeah. This is not, this is not your, this is not your moment, really, no. is what it is. <laughs> not at all. Well, Parker, mm-hmm. I, I appreciate, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, this has been really great. Thank you so much for having me. 
Fuck yeah. Let's uh let's plug some social media before we get before we get out of here. Uh, where can the people find you? Where can they find the podcast? What uh yeah, what's uh what yeah, where's some what are some links? We got some links. So you can find me um at parkerwestwood.com or on Twitter at Parker underscore Westwood or Instagram at Parker dot Westwood and then on OnlyFans at Parker underscore Westwood. And then you can find the podcast at Sexy Galaxy Pod on Twitter and um on Patreon, patreon.com slash sexy galaxy pod. And then don't forget answer. We also have a website, uh answerdetroit.org or on Twitter at answer Detroit. I think that's it. I'm I'm winded. <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot. Fuck yeah. I'm going to plug all of those in the show notes, in the Libsyn page. And then I'll also have that GoFundMe so people can donate as well. Fantastic. Thank you so much. This has been such a pleasure. Heck yeah. Parker, I really appreciate it. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, we will be back later. Well... Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, That is the interview for a full-service podcast with Tank Smith. Please go check out his podcast. There's so many episodes at this point and um, some really incredible people on that show as well. And, uh, yeah, it was... (laughs) It's really fun listening to that interview back because I get to experience myself from the outside and just get to see my double air sign wildness come out um with all of the the way my brain works is crazy sometimes um in the best way i love myself (laughs) anyway uh i think y'all are amazing i really appreciate you listening to the show we already covered all the links in my episode with tank so let's just leave it there and uh Here's a little tidbit for you. Did you know if two pieces of the same kind of metal touch in space, they will permanently bond? It's a it's a phenomenon known as cold welding, and I just think that's really fucking romantic. Nanu nanu, motherfuckers. And yes, that's a Robin Williams tribute. <laughs> Now you know.